it wasn't even two days. It was the day, next day. She called and said, are you serious about this? And I said, yes, this is what we want to do. And she's like, okay, let's do this. And I'm going to open up my home to you. She was more comfortable doing that because she's familiar with her hospital mm-hmm. and the doctors at her house. <clears throat> oh, in case of an emergency. Yep. Yes. So I went into labor early morning. We drove an hour and a half to her and I had him four hours later. No complications? Nope. That's amazing. Nope. I got a great pregnancy. I got at home water birth and then we decided we were done with kids. Welcome back to the interview podcast on the Y Millbank Podcast Network from Millbank, South Dakota. This is Craig Weinberg. The interviewpodcast.org is the website for this show. If you want to find all the other episodes, you can go there. Also, if you want to help support the show, there's a donate button. You choose the value you get out of the show. If that translates into dollars, you can send it our way right there. Everything is much appreciated and very welcomed. Uh, we do want to thank everyone that does support the show. Another great way you can support the show is by getting more people to know about it. So if you want to share it out to your friends, tell more people about it. That's a fantastic way to help support the show. So thank everyone that continues to listen and support the interview. Today on the show, I go back in time a little bit uh, to someone I knew in grade school and before. Uh, And then it's been almost 20 years since we've seen each other. Uh, She decided to uh, live in Washington, Hawaii, uh, and now is uh, homesteading in Tennessee. Danielle Carlson of Danielle Louise Photography is here today. Uh, It's just kind of a trek back in time uh, for us, and uh, we explore a lot of different topics from photography, kind of go get a little nerdy into the details of the photography world, the business of birth. Uh, Danielle has some stories there. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation. It was fun to catch up. Theinterviewpodcast.org. Enjoy. Danielle Carlson, welcome to the interview. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Uh, Good. We're in the middle of what some would call the apocalypse here in South Dakota. Uh, We have, we were supposed to get like eight inches of snow in the next two days, but we got ice last night. It was like an ice rink in town. And then it's been kind of like misting ice rain. Irritating. But um, not, not we don't have eight inches of snow. Yeah. Well, from where? Um... Well, before we lived in Hawaii, we lived in central Washington. Oh, yes. And so we no, were dead get, middle or where? Dead middle in Wenatchee, Washington. Mm, how far is that from uh, George? Um, Like is 20 G- minutes. Oh, really? Yep. Okay. 20 minutes Back north the, of George. Back in the mid-90s, I went to Creation Fest when they first had that up there at the, the Gorge Amphitheater. And, yes. Uh, that's a crazy place so we were up there then um otherwise i stayed out of washington why <laughs> all right so let's go back in time so we, you and i grew up together as yes. children uh in our community where we were in our church we were in um and then i don't know well you you said earlier the last time you remember that we 
saw each other was in 2003, probably. Well, it was yeah, before I went I to know. Africa, and I went to Africa in 03, so. Yeah, I was married, and I think I ran into you at the Douglas County Christmas Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I know your mom always had a booth yep. there. <laughs> That's so funny, think... because we talk about that now. Really? She doesn't anymore, but they live out so here I, with us now. So, Oh, that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's when I ran into you last and you were getting ready to go to Africa soon. You told me you were headed to Africa. Okay, that, that actually would have been the end of 03, 04. Yes, that makes okay. sense. Yep, because I was there for two weeks in like September of 2003. Uh, I actually ran into, was introduced to my wife, at the, who is my wife now, on that trip. Um, and then we went back to work in the mission for like five or six months in 2004. And that's cool. Yeah. So I'm a little jealous. It was fun. I would go back in a second and I intend to send my children there when I have the opportunity. So it's a great, great thing to do. Um, it is. As we kind of reconnected over social medias, uh, you were jumping into the photography game. When did that start? Oh, well, I did it in high school, and then... Wait, like just for fun or for people? Yeah, for fun. Just for fun. In fact, uh, Terry, yeah. who's now Henderson, mm-hmm. at the time was Bynum, she actually taught me how to use a camera. <laughs> she did. <laughs> <laughs> so it started then, and I always loved it. And then after I had kids, I started wanting to, you know... I guess document them mm-hmm. more and this would have been before I'm, the advent of these incredible cameras we carry in our pockets all day long yes yep. way before mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm that old <laughs> no, you're not older than me so <laughs> so i was your like kids well, are i mean yes. your, your kids started before me but anyway um so i wanted to document my kids and learn how to use a camera and yeah before phones when it was easy just mm-hmm. to grab out of your pocket so then I started delving into it and I was like, well, I want to do more. And then I started really getting into it after some really hardships in life. Okay. And I was like, well, I love, this is something I love to do. And it kind of was like my therapy. Mm. And so then I started getting into it more, um, learning my camera more and really got into it at that point. So you currently operate as Danielle Louise Photography, correct? Yes. Danielle Louise Photography, which is just my first name and my middle name. Typical. Um, It started started as like, I was really into newborn photography. I wanted to do newborn. Mm -hmm. So I started it out as little Lulu moments. Okay. I, I do. Did you have a feather for part of your logo? Yes. Okay. So that's when I first saw that you were starting in the photography world. Yes. And it started, um, and little Lulu actually came from me and my daughter. Our middle name is Louise and it's a family name. And my family always called me Lulu. And then we started calling my daughter Lulu. So it just kind of came from that. (laughs) And it sounded cute. (laughs) Okay. And so I wanted to delve into like babies and maternity and then once I started delving into it, I was like, this is not for me. <laughs> really? Yes. Why? I mean, I loved it and it helped me during 
that time when I was like using it as therapy kind mm -hmm. of, but babies are hard <laughs> to yes. photograph. Yes. Like if you're doing like more of the boutique style, mm -hmm. I mean, I still photograph them, but it has to be like in their home, more lifestyle, um, but right. I don't do the boutique photography with babies because, oh my goodness, it's complex. <laughs> so at what point did you decide to branch into other avenues or was that um, all part of the game at that point no it wasn't actually part of the game i never even considered weddings <laughs> oh, i did and then i quit them so good luck <laughs> <laughs> i never even considered weddings i was like well let's just start out this way and then it was like babies are not for me i can do maternity and that's fine i can do family i love doing families that's probably one of my favorite things and then it didn't really involve into doing any weddings mm -hmm. until like the last three or four years, like right before we moved to Hawaii. Do you think that was just prep so you could have another avenue when you got to like picturesque wonderland? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> so, Probably, like, but weddings, they're difficult to do. It's not easy. I mean, weddings in general are well, difficult. Right, yeah. Like... They're a whole other level. Don't start out. If you're starting out in photography, do not start on weddings. Because I cannot imagine <laughs> like saying, yeah, I'm going to do photography right. and going into yep. weddings. There's so yeah. much planning. Even for you're just the photographer. You're not the wedding planner and it's not your wedding. There's so much that goes into planning for. Okay. Do you find, because I did when we did weddings. Um, and we, I mean, I'll do a handful a year um, for people that have been clients forever or family or whatever. Um, but. As a rule, I'm unavailable for weddings because I just don't have the time for what they do. Um, but do you, did you find or do you find that you end up being kind of the the showrunner? Yes. For most, like for most of the weddings. Yes, it's exhausting. <laughs> right. <laughs> like I mean, like I'll say, I'll have them say, "Yeah, send me over the timeline." Let them say when they want things to happen, but then I have to plan it accordingly to what they want. Or so you, so you let them choose the day. I always set the day for oh. them said, all right, here, here's the day. Here's what I need. You I work tell around them. Me. No, I do the timeline. Okay, good. But I tell them, okay. <laughs> yeah. When is like, when are, where's the groom going to be? And when's he going to be there? Where's the bride going to be when she's supposed to be there? Uh, when do you, where is the, what time is the ceremony supposed mm -hmm. to happen? Is there a cocktail hour? What time is reception? All of that. I want them to tell me when, but then I say, okay, this is what we're doing in between yep. all those times. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. Cause I would always say, all right, from your wedding starts here. I need you four hours before that. Yes. And then we've got these things laid out. And then for the hour before the ceremony, I'm done with the bride. The bride needs to be put away, refreshed, hidden. No guests need yes. to see you in that hour. And it was funny because nobody that I worked with even considered that, you know, and then you go to some weddings that aren't really planned well and they're all, shoot, they're taking pictures as people are sitting down and that's terrible. Yeah. You don't want your bride walking down right. the aisle with frays going everywhere. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then she has ceremony pictures where she looks disheveled. Yeah. Yeah. So. No, I just, uh, well, the other main reason for me that I found uh, that I just don't. I didn't want to, it, to do them anymore was 
more and more of the younger brides that were coming to us, they tended to view marriage as just something we're going to try out. Yes. This isn't something that is, we don't really value it the way I value it. Um, and we're going to try it. And so if it doesn't work, and the the shining example for me is I shot <clears throat> a gorgeous wedding and I was so pleased with the product. And I thought, this is great. Marketing's going to be awesome. Within a year, they're divorced. I now lost all of that available marketing. I can't market with those, that picture ever again, ever. No, because it's awkward. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now they're married to other people and they run by the studio and see their, their old picture. It doesn't work. So yeah, no. I, uh, I just, I don't think people value marriage the way I do and the way I want. I think marriage should be. And so I guess I'm not really into it anymore for yeah, other people. I'm, I think marriage is phenomenal. I think it's the best thing you can do. And I think it's so excellent when yeah, you, when you understand, gift. when you understand it and yes. use it right. Yep. Yep. I agree. I'm very selective with who I take on for weddings. And do you have like an application process? I do. <laughs> that's something and I never I, did and I should have. I interview them. What? Really? <laughs> I do. I said it. If I get an um, inquiry, I send them back a questionnaire. Mm -hmm. If once I fill out that questionnaire, I'm like, okay. I also will Facebook stalk them. <laughs> Because some people are honest, yeah. let's face it. So I will check them out, not because of their looks, but I want to see what they're what they're sharing, mm -hmm. what they're posting. Because if I don't get a good vibe from that, then I don't say I want don't want them as a client, but but don't you don't really want them as a want client. Them as client. Right. <laughs> so it, is it bad? Because I I think about this too. Because we obviously want to show the stuff that we're proud of to get other other work. And so in order to get that, you have to have models at some level. Yes. So is it is it wrong in the business to select people partially based on how they perform in front of a camera? I think that's a fine line you have to walk. <laughs> you just do it in, in, in the quiet? I think, like, I'm not just going to reject someone because they're not the perfect model no but they might be dynamite in front of the camera and that you get to know yes. that when you when you begin to know them right yes and that's part of the interview process mm -hmm. is getting to know them getting i mean i've had some people come to me and say oh i hate the camera i'm so awkward and they turn out to be the best pictures yes. that i've yeah. ever taken and then i've had some people where they'll come and they've had model you know some kind of modeling experience mm -hmm. or they're drop dead gorgeous and it, they can't do so, it. <laughs> no, it's yeah. so it's it's a fine line to walk of. Now, I know there's some I think when you're trying to get the perfect model look, I think you should do that on your own time. Not through a client vetting process, because. I may have a gorgeous bride and they're fun and. Their wedding fits exactly what I want to do, mm -hmm. but they may not be like, you know, the perfect model material with the perfect model body and everything, but everything else is gorgeous. And their pictures end up being gorgeous because of just how they are. They're relaxed. If somebody's more relaxed, that's easier to work with than somebody who's tense all the time to me. Yes. 
One of the things so. I always tell people when they say, oh, I take a terrible picture. It's like, good. That's why you're not taking them. I'll take them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's why you hired me. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, that's uh, fascinating. So when did you um, realize that kind of weddings were something you wanted to do? Like, What was the thing that made you go, huh, okay, this might work? I am very detail-oriented. I'm very, like... I love planning things out. Do you have to have even numbers? Yeah, no. <laughs> do you count stairs? <laughs> I do count stairs. Oh, no. <laughs> I count stairs. I count posts. Oh, jeez. Do but you they touch don't have things to be... like Monk? <laughs> no, I'm not quite that bad. That would be that's my father-in-law. Interesting. <laughs> Maybe that's why we get along so well. Me and my father-in-law. Huh. <laughs> um, But... I just, I like details and I like, you know, schedules. And so it ended up working out for me, but it was definitely a learning process. Cause at first, when I first did it, I was like, I'll take anybody. Mm. Yeah. I'll. And then when I did that, I would run into brides that I'm like, what was I thinking? Mm-hmm. They should be on They're a TV in... show. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then I, okay. Started learning more, talking mm-hmm. to other wedding photographers, and then um, they all would always talk about finding your ideal client. And I still haven't quite figured out what my ideal client is, but I do know what I will and what I will not to work with. Are you your ideal client? Am I? Mm-hmm. Maybe for family photography, not wedding. Interesting, because because I always think of that because you know I have we do a lot of. Um, like our products we sell are high end and they're expensive um, mm-hmm. and I'm okay with that. And I also realized that I can't afford my, myself. Yeah. And I, I, that's okay. Yeah. I wouldn't pay for, I mean, <laughs> you wouldn't pay for, <laughs> my, my I, mom, my mom tells me that, Oh, I, I wouldn't pay that. Then you're not going to, that's fine. That's, You're not yeah, my client either, has, mother. <laughs> I mean, I go to my f- other photographer friends and say, what are your prices? And I'll tell them, okay, well, I can't afford you right now, but I want to save up money to yeah. afford you a year from mm-hmm. now. Or if I need a photographer right now and I can't afford that one, I'll say, well, I want you to do our pictures in a year and I'm going to save for you to do mm-hmm. our pictures in a year, but I can't afford it this year. So I'm going to go with who I can't afford. And usually my friend, like there's only a few select photographers I will let take pictures of me because I'm comfortable with them. Yeah. And um, my friend, Tony Christine is one of them. I love her. And she was coming to Maui. She comes to Maui every year. To shoot or just for fun? Both. Okay. So she'll, she'll do like a couple sessions while she's there. She doesn't do weddings while she's there. But her family has a condo there, and they share um, a timeshare or something like that. But she would come every year. And I knew she was coming, and I was like, I'm going to save up because I want you to take a picture of my husband and I. Mm -hmm. When she was coming one day, one of the times she was there, yeah. So I saved and I hired her as soon as I knew she was coming. And those are some of my favorite pictures of my husband and I. That's cool. Did you give her direction or you said, I want you, you do what you want to do? 
I had worked with her before. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I was very comfortable with her. And I let her do her thing because she's good at it. If you've ever seen her work, she's so good. Who is and it? I love her. Tony Christine. <clears throat> so you guys were in Washington and then for some reason decided to move to the middle of the ocean. <laughs> what? Yeah. Was that just a, I mean, was that a business move? Yes and no. We were tired of Washington. Mm-hmm. Uh, we felt like we needed to get out. Well, when did you leave Oregon? I. Th- oh, it's been a while. My oldest was five, I think. When did When did you get married? Two thousand two. Okay. So I think it was 2009 or 2010 when we left Oregon. Where, where were you at in Oregon? Portland. Oh, okay. That's why. All right. So you were gone from the Roseburg area for a while. Yes, I had left the Berg. I actually moved out of the Berg. <laughs> that place is a dump. Have you been there late recently? I have not. I, I, I hate to, to say it, it for as those, much as possible. Yeah, I hate to say it for the people that still live there. And I, I like them. I mean, they're good. I have family there still. Uh, but it's... <laughs> feels like it's turned into a dive. It's weird. I know. Uh, the last time I was there was probably a year and a half ago. I was there uh, just over a year photographing a big event in Eugene. But <clears throat> yeah, it's like, uh-huh. I'm kind of glad I live in South Dakota now. Especially during yeah. COVID. I mean, that was absolutely a, a godsend for us to be here because I didn't get shut down. Yeah, I hated Hawaii. Oh, my. How, yeah, what'd you do? Oh, it was awful. <laughs> it was... The, Hawaii probably had some of the strictest rules of mm-hmm. the nation. So, like, everything was shut down. Were they policing it? At one time, yes. Really? But <laughs> there was even, like, a weekend where they had police out and told people not to leave their homes. You couldn't go outside? Only for emergencies. Like if you need to go to the grocery store, the hospital. And they even had checkpoints like. To prove why you were out? Yes. (laughs) Oh, geez. It was bad. So if they didn't believe you, what could, what, I mean, or was it pretty much a, okay, you're fine? I think it was pretty much an okay, Mm. you're fine. If you had a legitimate reason. I like need we some taking, air. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to kill my children. I don't, you know. I, <laughs> yeah, we were taking food to elderly. Right. So we had yeah, a legitimate kind of reason. Oh, man. But we also need to get away from our kids. <laughs> All right. So um, you, when did you guys move there? What year? Um, 2018. 19? Yep. So you were there a year before all hell broke loose. Yeah, not even a yeah, about a year. About, and then, at that point, where you're like, mm, we need to start looking elsewhere, or w- when did the move away from there begin? So at the beginning, it was fine. It was like great. There's no tourists on the beaches. <laughs> but you can't go outside. You got to stay in your house. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, if you you could go to the beach mm-hmm. because eventually, they declared the beach a. Um, 
Is that a safe like zone? Ex- a recreational area. Outdoor area when they doomed it was safe. The benevolent dictators that they are. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was another reason for moving. Um, <laughs> but at the beginning, it was fine. But, you know, once you're getting months into it, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, well, we have to live our lives. Well, if they had told us the truth when they said, you know, we just need 15 days, give us 15 days. I, I think a lot of people would have been, all right, great. And they were. Yeah. Um, but then it went to another 15 or, and then what, two, two years, two and a half years. I mean, really <clears throat> now well, we're looking we're... at trying to do it again. <laughs> I was just going to say, we're going into 2023 and starting it's over. coming back. Here we go. Right. <laughs> uh, so you have four children, right? Yes. I have four children. Oldest is he'll be 19 next month. Holy cow. And my youngest is six next month. Okay. That's fascinating. My oldest is 16 and my youngest is four. And I have a 13 and nine in the middle. Uh, yeah, mine's 15 and 13 <clears throat> in the middle. Brother. That's crazy. Three boys two girl, and a girl? Yep. Weird. Um, yep. <clears throat> you, I heard you a year or two ago um, on a podcast talking about um, birth. Yes. Uh, from that, I gathered that you kind of have a passion for birth. I do. What does that mean? Well, you know, you get these abortion people who say woman's choice. Uh, Well, I'm for that, but for everything, including birth and how I want to birth. Oh. I'm not for abortion. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) I I think that's a whole other level. Ever? um, Ever? Ever for abortion? Mm-hmm. Well, let's see. I think there's special circumstances, but the special circumstances do not dictate everyone else. Okay. It should not be used for birth control, in my opinion. Should it always be considered wrong until it's justified after the fact? Like killing I, someone in, that's already outside breathing is? Yeah, it's wrong. It's murder. And I, yeah, it's a, that's a loaded conversation. It, it, it's potentially a long one because there's a lot of nuance there, yes. <clears throat> but is. But I think fundamentally, though, we have to go back and just agree on terms before the conversation can be had, correct? Yeah. Well, to me... It's not a fetus. It doesn't start out as a fetus. It's a baby. As soon as it has a heartbeat, mm-hmm. it's a living person. So it's gotten to where like people don't want to accept that anymore. And that's to me is the start of the problem. Is that when a societal problem? A what problem? Is that a societal issue? Is you? I don't, not really society. It's just, yeah, I guess it would be society because certain, certain areas have higher abortion rates than others. 
Yeah. And, you know, we, we've kind of, over the last <clears throat> several decades, and probably our parents' generation, I'll blame them, maybe their parents, um, have, you know, this idea that um, you should be able to do whatever you want with no consequence whenever you want. Yeah, there's a consequence to any choice you make, yeah, whether I mean, it's a positive mm-hmm. consequence or a negative. Yeah. There's always a yeah. consequence. But, and like, I mean, that really is the no-fault divorce is really why marriages are in disarray. Because we've allowed people to just choose, ah, you know, this commitment I made to someone, I, I don't, I'm not going to make it anymore. Irreconcilable. Well, really, what does that mean? Um, we, we, we've lost. That word. Yeah, right. <laughs> Square peg, round hole. Um, yes. The, uh, <laughs> that's the only thing I can think of. Um, but, you know, societally, we've decided, and especially in this, and this is a dangerous topic to even touch on too, and this idea that men and women are identical and have zero differences. And so because of that, we have this, this mentality that we've, we're being told in, uh, in society that Men and women have got to be identical in everything they do. And because of that, um, women have to be able to choose um, if they're going to have children or not. And by doing that, they've opened up the door to choose all the way up until birth to decide. So you, you can spend nine months. Heck, in California, I think you can spend 10 months now and then decide if you don't want that baby. And there can be yeah, no that's... investigation. I do not, my first son was born at 28 weeks. So really? Seeing, yes. So seeing that after I like. But you wanted him, my right? Mind. You oh, wanted yeah, him, Yeah, right? I wanted mine. See, that's why, that's why, that's why, that's the difference, I think. Yeah, but. <laughs> Sorry. No, I, I don't necessarily be- agree with that, but that's, that's the argument. It's because you yeah. wanted him, then it was an acceptable thing. But if he had been, what, to, he was viable at that point. I mean, he lived, he survived. He's 19 years old. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> How is that possible? Um, so people who say, well, the baby's not viable mm-hmm. at 20, before 20 weeks or 22 weeks or whatever they say. I'm sorry, you're wrong. Well, and but, yeah, but that line can move because 50 years ago, 28 week birth probably wouldn't survive. I don't think we had the tools to make that work. So no. at that point, 28 weeks was not, not viable in there, but that has moved because of technology. So are we, are they going to be okay with moving that even earlier and earlier, depending on where science goes? That's the thing. I think they'll move whatever they need to, to accommodate themselves. Yeah. yeah. Another thing is responsibility. People don't want to take responsibility. <laughs> well, I think go that, go, out, yeah, that goes back to my societal question. Yeah. I mean, we grew up where if we did something wrong, we took responsibility and we had to take care of whatever we did wrong. Mm-hmm. Like I remember the church we grew up in had a Christian school. I got spanked. I did too. <laughs> <laughs> By somebody you're related to. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> but you don't hear, I mean, you say something wrong to kids that get yeah. them in trouble. Mm-hmm. 
and it's like all hell breaks loose on you because right, how dare you yeah yeah so is it is it a lack of discipline that has caused this and is that a, a, a consequence of um our parents i think it's like our parents so... generation because they now see because if you kind of look at the way the the generations are you know the the war generation they were typically hard nosed then you you know and then and you had the the depression era people you know they were keep everything don't waste a thing you know Orders. only get what you need and keep everything um and then really hard and then you get into the 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 free love movement you know everything is all just happy and pretty and then well we don't want to you know disciplinarians are bad it's all about love you have to you know discipline your children uh you don't discipline them you you love them into doing something else and so you know we kind of have gone down this slope of of no consequence even at home and i mean how many kids do you see walking around the street where they are glued to their phone when they're anywhere i mean it's and it's one thing to to play on a device i'm i have no problem with that but it's another thing to make that thing have to go with you every moment of the day everywhere you go i see kids in church today that they're sitting in the church and i want to go and slap their parent and they're staring at a screen are you kidding that's not the kid's yeah. fault no there's there's so many things there's lack of discipline there's lack of parenting too many parents want to be their kid's best friend. Oh, thank you very much. Instead of actually <laughs> yeah. parenting yeah. and saying yeah. yes or no. But that's mean. Uh, then I'm mean. <laughs> right, I know. <laughs> yeah. Life ain't fair. <laughs> exactly. I tell my kids that all the time. Okay, so you have an adult child. Yes. When do you turn into a friend of your child? I think that changes as they get older and prove themselves more responsible. Is there an age? No. Because I have a 15-year-old who acts like a 10-year-old. <laughs> and my 19-year-old was proving himself like responsible mm -hmm. and not getting in trouble all the time by the time he was 15, 16. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's still I'm like, Jacob, I told you to do this. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot. <laughs> but I can trust him to leave, you know, my house in his hands and it, my house is going to be okay. Yeah. My 15 year old, I won't leave him alone. <laughs> really? <laughs> no. <sighs> I have to have my 13 year old home with him to babysit him. Oh, that's hilarious. <clears throat> True. Um, so, sorry, back to birth. Why do you care so much about birth? So with my first three kids, I ended up having C-sections. Uh, now, okay, I, I, wording matters in, in this context because um, I'm passionate about the business of birth. Yes. And the travesty that it is. Um, but you said you had... Did you have to? Did you choose to? I mean, what, what was the reasoning for that at the beginning, the first time? Was it because of the, the time frame? So the first one, yes. Mm -hmm. It had to be an emergency C-section. Okay. Because he was actually killing me. Oh. Well, see? Abortum. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so he was um, born emergency C-section. Like, I was pretty much out through the whole thing. Really? My second one... 
they saw the same problems arising. And so they were like, well, we could induce you and try to do a VBAC. And they gave all these And they were okay with that? Yeah, they were, but they scared the living daylights out of me. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Because they were like, Uh, well, we'd have to use this device to do this and then give you a bunch of medication to hopefully start labor. And then it might not work. We might have to do a C-section. So I was like, well, I know what a C-section. Right. (laughs) Just do that. It sounds less scary. You think that was the, that was the goal? Like, like that's their plan? Maybe surreptitiously or you know subconsciously, perhaps. I honestly think with the hospital industry, mm-hmm. they want to do whatever's easiest and convenient for them. That's not going to be as much liability. More controlled. Yes, okay. more controlled. Yep. And, and with even though VBACs, they're hacking you apart, they can control that. Yeah, they okay. can control it. Apparently. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Um, and then my third, they didn't even give me the option to try to have a natural birth with her. Is that because you had had two C-sections prior? Yes. Mm. So they didn't even give me an option with her. Um, I went in for a scheduled C-section. The C-section went great. Um... But within a couple hours after the C-section being in recovery, I actually started bleeding. And I had a severe postpartum hemorrhage Hmm. um, to where they were actually ready to take me back to surgery, do a hysterectomy if needed, and then give me a bunch of blood. Well, they finally got the bleeding to stop. And I begged for not a transfusion. Why? It it was just a scary thing. Like people getting transfusions, you think of they're almost dying. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And they they are, but is it that or is it getting someone else's blood? Is that just weird? Like if my life was on the line. Mm-hmm. I would, could care less who the blood was coming from. Figure that out. Deal with that later. Keep me alive. Yeah. <laughs> right. But I wasn't... I don't know. I just... I asked my doctor. I was like, can we just hold off on the transfusion? Let's see what happens for... And he's like, okay, I'll give you an hour. Oh, lots of time. And Was if, that just to see if your body would kind of recover or start to? Yes, to see if uh, like your hemoglobin mm-hmm. levels and stuff started coming back up. Uh, well, within 20 minutes, they started coming back up. Awesome. They didn't, He didn't just wait an hour to check. He was checking like every 10 minutes. Um, so I didn't have to get a transfusion. Thank you, Lord. Um, but it took a long time to recover. Like weeks, months, long time? Um, probably six to 12 months. Really? Yeah. It was horrible. My my husband was like, well, we don't even have a will yet. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> well, 
we'll get on that right now. <laughs> was that all in Washington? No, that was actually when we still lived in Portland. Mm, okay. And so after that experience, we swore we were done having kids. Yeah, you probably don't want to die. That's safe. Yeah. And with each C-section, it gets a little more increased yeah. risk. <clears throat> now, C-sections are great. They serve a very good purpose. I like just think they're used? a little abused. What? I know. Shocker. <laughs> Convenience, perhaps? <laughs> yeah. Um, so when my youngest was six years old, I want to say six, um, we were like, well, we don't feel like our family's complete. Mm -hmm. so let's, you know, see what happens. So at that point, and no, I don't want to derail you, but um, the thinking of that, does that, in in your mind there, as you guys talked that through, was that a, um, was adoption ever a possibility to complete that? Was that something that even came up or was it always going to need to be yours? Yes, we okay. had talked about adoption. Okay. Um, because we actually have some friends. I don't know if you remember them. Um Eli and Anna Marie Garcia. No, I can't. Maybe, maybe back there somewhere, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so they, she couldn't have kids. Hmm. So they adopted two little kids from Ethiopia. And after watching them go through that journey, we were always like, well, we might do it. Mm -hmm. It's always a possibility, but it was a real struggle watching them go through that process. So, but we felt like we just wanted to have another one. Mm -hmm. So up until from the time I had my last one until we decided, let's try again. I had the Marina birth control. Don't get it. <laughs> that, what is that? It's an IUD. Okay. Which one, though? There's a couple options, isn't there? Yeah, so it's not the <clears throat> copper one. It's actually the, the one, one... with the chemical? With the hormones, yep. yes. Okay, yep. Sorry, chemical sounds like Clorox or something weird. I know. <laughs> so... <laughs> but yeah. it is a chemical. It's a chemical yeah. hormone. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'd gotten it taken out, and we're like, well, let's just... Nature take its course. Mm -hmm. Nature took its course very fast. Uh, within two weeks of getting it oh, taken geez. out. Oh, <laughs> jeez. All right. And so we were all excited. And this is in Washington. Yes. this Now we're in Washington. Mm -hmm. And we've been in Washington for like five years. So got pregnant. Had a lot going on. My grandpa got really sick. Um, he had, he'd had a cancer for like seven years. And we just knew that this time was, he wasn't going to bounce back. So I was doing a lot of driving back and forth to where they live. And a lot of things going on. Well, we went for a 20 week scan and found out that the baby wasn't going to survive. So what had happened was my placenta was tearing away from the wall of my uterus. Mm -hmm. 
So my amniotic flotta was being fluid. I said flotta, I think. Yeah. Anyway, it was being exchanged for blood. Oh, that's a problem. Yeah. And it had been happening for a few weeks. So at that time, the specialist said, we need to terminate the pregnancy. (laughs) And I was like, well, there's still a heartbeat. He's still alive. That's not an option for me. Mm -hmm. And they were like, well, there's no risk to the baby. We know he's going to die. So in their mind, it was convince you. Like that was the goal to convince you. Yeah. And they're like, the risk is all to you. You could die because you could bleed to death again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, you know, this was right after my grandpa died. And we were going into Thanksgiving and Christmas. And I'm like, I don't want to deal with this right now. <laughs> so I told him, no, I'm going to wait. And I went back to my regular doctor, told him, I decided, you know what, we're just going to wait it out. Let him figure out when he decides to pass. And my doctor was like, you know what, I totally agree. I totally support you. Because you would always wonder, what if? Mm -hmm. That's huge to hear from a doctor. That's great. Yes, he was was great and exactly what I needed for that time. Mm -hmm. So he ended up passing away at 28 weeks. I'm 28 weeks pregnancy is very bad for me. Mm. So we went in for an induction. My doctor actually let me do an induction instead of another C-section because I did not want to deal with a surgery right. and then going home empty handed and right. all that. But he actually had to fight for me at the hospital because they didn't want to do it because of the risk to them. Wow. And they, they weren't going to do it. Like they would have said, no, we're not going to allow you to do that. They wanted to say no because there was too many risks involved. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know what? The only risk is to her. It's very small at this time. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's no risk to a baby right now. And he gave them like all these reasons and they s- said, okay, we'll do this. But I had to sign like all these papers. Are you serious? <laughs> like I wasn't going to come after them legally or anything. <laughs> And the whole hospital knew who I was. <laughs> did, did they like seeing you or did they wish you would just go away? No, actually it was it was a good experience. I mean as good as yeah. For that situation. Mm-hmm. Like the nurses were all great. Um my night nurse ended up crying with my husband. <laughs> I mean, it was, now it's funny because it was just like the whole scenarios, but at the time it was very nice. Mm -hmm. 
and comforting, I guess, because they were compassionate. Yeah. Which is kind of hard to see in hospitals sometimes. Well, it's too much. It's such a business now. Yeah, it is such a business. It's all about production. Yep. So after that, and everything healed up, whatever, we were like, you know what? I'm not going back on birth control because clearly my body hates it. <laughs> um, We'll just let nature take its course. Two more weeks? No. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty close. Oh, jeez. It was like less than a month. Oh, wow. <laughs> but I had so much anxiety. Yeah. With that pregnancy. And it ended up being like my best pregnancy ever. Why? I think because I was able to, after the loss, say, you know, whatever, God, whatever happens, I'm going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And kind of relinquish that i'm a controlling person no (laughs) (laughs) i like you know yeah i don't have to be in control i like surprises as long as there's surprises you approve of yes (laughs) yes i think my sister is similar to that too she won't listen to that she probably will (laughs) (laughs) surprise me with the thing that i tell you to surprise me with (laughs) yeah so I think once I was able to like, okay, you know what? Whatever God hap- you let happen, it's going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. Let it be. Mm-hmm. In fact, the song I sang a lot was, I think her name's Hillary Scott, Thy Will Be Done. <laughs> really? <laughs> I was like, you know what? I just need to play this yeah. for reaffirming. <laughs> So, um, so it went, what year was this? This was just when? This was, well, I had my second or my last child mm-hmm. at the beginning of 29th. When was that? See, I'm getting old. My memory's leaving. <laughs> 2017. <laughs> okay. And the loss happened at the beginning of 2016. Mm, okay. So just a year apart. Wow. Um, and with my, with the one we lost, I become a little more educated in birth mm-hmm. and home birth and natural birth and all this other stuff. And I decided with him that I wanted to try to have a VBAC. But I never really thought about home birth. So, yeah, if you say that word out loud with, with the wrong people, you might as well just leave. Yeah. So when I got pregnant with my youngest, his name is Judd. I was like, you know what? I want to do a back. I'm going to do a back. I went and interviewed with I don't know how many doctors and nobody wanted to do it. Because of your multiple C-sections? Yes, multiple C-sections, the history with those mm-hmm. C-sections, um, the reason for my infancy loss or stillborn. Oh, yep. Um, they didn't want to mess with that because 
that increased my chances of it happening again. So there was just, they didn't want to take on the risk. So, so I had, go ahead. Well, do you think your, you know, you said the last pregnancy was the best one. Do you think a lot of that has to do with the fact that you were then, you were the expert at that point? I think, I think so. Cause I even went into one doctor interview and I had all the like statistics and. Oh, you brought homework. <laughs> I did. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, and I even brought stuff from ACOG, which is American College of Gynecology. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which said vaginal birth is safer than C-section. Wow. They don't like that. And he said, you know, there's no, the doctor, I mean, mm-hmm. there's no doubt that you could probably have a successful VBAC. But between me and my partners, we just can't take that risk. Oh, that stinks. And he was even like, you know, you could probably just say, refuse a C-section and come to the hospital in labor and refuse anything and have a successful VBAC. Mm-hmm. That sounded like a lot of pressure and I didn't want that. <laughs> it is because when you go in there ready to go, they then have a machine that turns on and that machine is, here's what we do. Yeah, protocols. And if you want, yeah, if you want anything else, good luck. I mean, we've, mm-hmm. we've had similar things where at one point with our second kid, I think, um, after right after he was born, one of the nurses walks up to Sarah with a needle and she's prepping to like shove this needle in her. And I said, what's that? Oh, everyone gets it. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> oh, it's, it's, everyone gets it. It's Pitocin. She just had the baby. Um, I physically had to push her away. I said, we did not ask for this. No. And it's like, she didn't know what to do because I stopped her from injecting my wife without permission, but they just do it. That's what you do. Yeah. And they think that because that's just what they do. Everybody's just going to want it. Mm-hmm. I want to be informed what's being done and what's given to me. So you can make an informed decision. Weird. Exactly. I know. Crazy, right? Isn't that part of the, the law? <laughs> anyway, sorry. Carry on. <laughs> so after every doctor refused me, I was like, you know what? I'll look at midwives. <laughs> After midwives refused me. They did? Yes. <laughs> I was actually able to find a midwife who does home births, but she was an hour and a half away. Mm. And this wasn't until I was 35 weeks pregnant. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> the clock is ticking right now. <laughs> yeah. So... I called her. She said, yeah, come in. Let's talk. So we went after I called her two days later, we went in and talked to her and she's like, you know what? I'm not going to make a commitment right now. I want to pray about it for a couple of days and then I'll call you and let you know what I decide. Well, that's a good answer. I know. Right. At that, I was like, okay, Mm -hmm. she's the one. Yep. (laughs) So it wasn't even two days. It was the day, next day. 
she called and said, are you serious about this? And I said, yes, this is what we want to do. And she's like, okay, let's do this. And I'm going to open up my home to you. Really? So you went to her? I did. Um, she was more comfortable doing that because she's familiar with her hospital mm-hmm. and the doctors at her house. <clears throat> oh, in case of an emergency. Yep. Yes. Um, so I went into labor early morning. We drove an hour and a half to her and I had him four hours later. Really? No complications? It's, nope. That's amazing. Nope. I got a great pregnancy. I got a at-home water birth. And then we decided we were done with kids. <laughs> we're ending on a high here. <laughs> Basically. Right. And so after that point, I was like, you know what? It was a completely different experience than any hospital birth. Mm -hmm. I'd even photographed a couple of hospital births. And just the dramatic difference is like, that's what sparked the whole advocacy for birth choice and all that. Mm -hmm. Well, it seems like birth is the one medical procedure where the mom is disregarded. Oh, completely. And that should never happen. No. Because she's no. she's the one that is in, should be in control of everything. Yeah. And then if you get, like, if you're in a hospital and you get an epidural, you're pretty much bedridden. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're at their mercy. Yeah. Completely mm-hmm. at their mercy. Or so, even if you just get pain medication. Yeah. It's like, it always has to be an IV pain medication and then you're to an IV and everything else. So uh, Sarah just photographed a birth about two weeks ago um, of a lady that's uh, a client of ours. And one of the nurses made her get an IV and doing it told her it was against the law for her to not get an IV. And we're like, mm-hmm. Sarah's like, I bit my tongue so hard because... That is absolutely untrue. It might be against their protocol. It, it, you cannot, there's no law. I mean, oh, yeah. They always like to throw out that out. Yeah. It's against the law. Mm-hmm. No, it's just against your hospital protocol. Yeah. And that's fine. Say that. I'm okay if people are honest about things, but don't yeah, threaten anyone. I always tell people if you go into a hospital and you're having to fight the staff constantly, <laughs> you tell them you want the patient advocate. Mm. They don't like that? Soon, no. That patient advocate is like your lawyer. Mm. He is, they are there for you. <laughs> See, that's good like information. That. So do you feel, I mean, now that you've got this, I mean, the good and the bad and the ugly of the process, um, what's the answer to the birth machine that exists in America? Really the world, Western world, big time. There's a, do you know who Dr. Uh, Natalie, what's her last name, from Australia is? Oh, she's a, she's a, uh, a doctor. Um, she, like, does tons of births, but I'll find her name real quick. Um, I'm trying to get an interview with her because she's incredible. Dr. Natalie Elpenstone. Um, anyway, she is, she advocates for um, birth, like, she has started maternal assist C-sections, which is crazy. 
So that is they, crazy. I've never heard of that. Yeah. So they actually get the baby out, and then the mom pulls the baby out. And it's so weird. And they've been able to advocate in multiple countries now to get hospitals to be to even open their eyes to the possibility. But this lady, she's That's, like, hmm? That would be great because yeah. it gets the mom involved. Yes. But it's it's and almost impossible for to get any hospital or doctor to even consider. And so she's on this kick. And I mean, she's a full-on licensed doctor who works in the system. And she's trying to fix it from within. It's wild. So yeah, you, Instagram is where I follow her. Um, and it's I'll have to find her. Incredible. I'll, uh, I'll shoot you her contact info or her page. Um, but anyway, the, the machine of birth is disgusting. You know, it, it, it shouldn't be an emergency or shouldn't be t- tr- treated as an emergency procedure. Yes, it's emergent. There's no doubt. But is it like you've ripped your arm in half and you got to get in there and triage? Mm-hmm. Shouldn't be. No. Mm-mm. And it should be at a pace. There's always this thing when someone goes into labor that they're put on a clock. Yeah. And, yes. And every birth is different. No, they're not. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, there's actually a friend of ours in Oregon or back in Roseburg where um, she gave birth at home. But her water broke. Uh, and I think it was three days before she gave birth. And, you know, and they're all, and she's very, had people there, midwives there, whatever. Um, and everything's fine. But yeah. you just have to as understand As long as you keep your hands out. Right. Yes. <laughs> That's the other thing that Sarah was just up in arms about with this. Um, one of the, the ladies that she worked with was the amount of times that they had to verify what was going on. Like, just stop. I know. Yeah. Yes. Back up. Leave them alone. Mm-hmm. It's not comfortable for one. Yeah. And you're you're inserting bacteria into his sacred space. <laughs> so what is your goal now in your like advocacy to for for making birth more and um, well I I guess what what is it? Like making birth more what? I just want women to know that they're educated. Okay. Or to become educated about what their options are. Mm-hmm. Is there um, anything out there that would that would answer the questions that you needed? So, with my last one, I joined several Facebook groups. Okay. And that was very educational. Um, because it was just everyday women mm-hmm. trying to do the same thing I was doing or succeeded in the same thing I was doing. So that helped tremendously, but also there's actually several books out there now about it. So like there's, I don't agree with a lot of her ways that she does things, but um, Ina May is a big midwife and they have, apparently she has a farm somewhere here in Tennessee. Oh. Um, They call it the midwife farm. Wait, do you go there and give birth? uh, Yeah, you can. And you can come and train to be a midwife there. And I don't know what all they do there, but she's a little too hands-on for me. Um, But she has really great information Mm -hmm. about basically getting back to the roots of old-fashioned birth that 
you know, a C-section is there for a reason. Um, emergencies, emergencies do come up. I don't agree with a lot of the ways she does things, um, but she has really good information. And then there's like books about, actually one of the things that started me on wanting to do a VBAC and knowing it was possible was um, the movies Business of Being Born. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Ricky, is her name Ricky Lake? Yeah, I think so. All I know of her is that she's an 80s talk show host or yeah. 90s. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, so I watched those and that's really what started me saying, okay, I want to have a VBAC. I want to do a home birth. Mm -hmm. But as far as like going, there should be more resources at hospitals or doctor's offices to say, this is an option for you. And there's not. Do you think that's even possible with the, the liability issues that they claim? Like, would they even open their open it up to have that information out there? I think it really depends on the hospital and doctor's offices. There's doctors out there that will do VBACs after one or two C-sections, but mm-hmm. finding doctors that will do them after more than two C-sections, it's very slim. Yeah, And that's one of the things about the Facebook groups I've been. If somebody finds a doctor, that name is posted all over that. Really? Thing. Because it's like rare. There was a doctor in Atlanta, Georgia that did it and he retired. Oh no. There was a doctor so in, a void. <laughs> there was a doctor in Dallas that did it and he's like semi retired. So all these doctors that did it are retiring and new ones are coming up, but it's very few and far between. Mm. And then changing hospital protocols, because that's a big stump for a lot of the doctors, they'll do it, but the hospital has these protocols that won't allow them to. Well, I think a lot of that too comes down to the the doctors are owned by the hospital machines now. Like there's oh, yeah. very few independent doctors anymore. And the hospital boards, like very rarely it's even doctors on the hospital boards. <laughs> Big pharma, lawyers, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. investors. Yep. Yeah. It's not even the people watch or taking care of the people. Mm-hmm. on the boards to make the decisions to govern the hospital. So out of that, um, do you, like, do you offer support for people now? Like, is oh, that yeah. something that you are, that you are actively doing? That's why I'm very vocal about it. And I don't offer support like what you're referring to, but in those well, groups. Maybe. It, oh. <laughs> no, I mean, like you don't work one-on-one with people necessarily. No. Okay. No. Would but, you? Oh, yeah. I would. I would say, well, that's, I have a friend in Texas and she's like, you need to just get your doula license. There you go. And I'm like, yeah, I've thought about it. But she's like, it's really easy. You just take a course, get your doula license, and then your license and you can help people, whatever. And I was like, but I don't feel like I'd be doing enough. She's like, <laughs> you would be. Right. <laughs> Even if you gave them your binder, that's probably enough. Yeah. yeah. And she's like, some people, times they just want to talk to have somebody mm-hmm. hear them. Yeah. Because I know I was that way too. I just wanted somebody to hear my, like plead my case and mm-hmm. them to actually listen to me, not be like, yeah, you probably could, but I can't yeah. legally or whatever. Um, And then I've thought like, I love my midwife I had for our last one. I loved her. She was truly a godsend. And now she's in Africa helping people in Africa. <laughs> Which is cool. <laughs> but we need more midwives like like yeah. her. 
And I've also thought, okay, well, midwife training only takes this amount of time. I'm still young. I could still do that. But I also homeschool kids, so. What, you're being a mom? Yeah, I, mean, I know. And that's my first priority. I want to be mom and wife yeah. to my husband. Maybe once my kids are grown and out of the house mm-hmm. or they don't need me there all the time, I could go into doing something more like that. But right now I'm just vocal about it. Which is cool. And that was one of the things that I noticed too. And it, it intrigued me that you were willing to step out. And, you know, it's it's not easy to talk about hard emotional things that you've gone through. And it was, and when I listened to you on that podcast, it was, it was cool because, well, first off, I was like, I know her, so I know it's real. This isn't, you know, something, um, but you know, your transition, you know, from there through that pain into your new life in Hawaii. Uh, and then what in the world said, now it's time to go to Countryville. I mean, now we're going back. <laughs> <laughs> Tennessee. What's because now you live on a farm, right? I do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Big life change. <laughs> right. <laughs> a volcano to farm. Yeah. Um, so I love Maui. Mm-hmm. I love Hawaii. Um but about a year ago, it's been a little over a year. I whenever I feel like there needs to be something changed or something's happening. I get anxiety really, and I started getting anxiety. Just about anything or specific things? No, it'll be like, like about something specific. Mm-hmm. And I've just taken it as, you know, God's way of telling me something and I'm, <laughs> I'm probably not listening. Out, right? So, <laughs> so I'll get anxiety. So I was getting anxiety. I was like, well, it's just crazy time right now. It was around the holidays. It was like, it's just crazy brushing it off, brushing it off. Well, Jeremy's, my husband's parents lived in Hawaii with us and they were going to go to California to visit his siblings oh, for sorry, Thanksgiving. To travel. I was thinking to move there. but <laughs> No, to travel. They'll never live there again. Um, and so at that same time, like two weeks before Thanksgiving, we got an email about flights on Hawaiian Airlines being like $120 round trip, which never wow. happens. So we were like, okay, well, let's surprise his family and show up for Thanksgiving. So we booked our tickets, went over there for Thanksgiving. I had a great time, came back home and the anxiety got worse. Hmm. And so I was like talking to my husband. I was like, I just keep feeling off. And he's like, what do you mean? I was like, I don't know, but something's happening. And he's like, you know, I've been feeling the same thing. And I think it's God's way of telling me we need to move. And I was like, I think that's what I'm feeling too. Wow. And he's like, okay, well, we need to pray about this some more. Because we didn't just have, you know, him and I, we had kids and his parents. They were kind of with this on this mm-hmm. escapade. <laughs> <laughs> And so we prayed about it some more. And about a week later, I don't even think it was a week, he came back and said, yep, that's what I'm feeling. We need to move. And I said, that's what I'm feeling too. So and this was 2020 some... <clears throat> or 21? This was at the end of 2021. Okay. Which is crazy because in 2021, 
in March, we bought a house. Right. And remodeled it, completely <laughs> remodeled it to where it was like, you know, we remodeled it to where it was going to be our forever home. Mm-hmm. And so it was around, it was after Thanksgiving, a couple of weeks after Thanksgiving, his parents were at our house and we were talking and we were like, they were like, you know, been waiting to talk to you guys. His parents were saying this now to us. We've been waiting to talk to you guys. We don't think we're going to stay here forever. We don't, wow. You know, we can't, we want to retire soon. And we don't know if we would be able to afford to retire here. And Jeremy was like, you know, we've been thinking about the same thing that we've been feeling that it's time to move. So then we were like, well, where are we going to go? <laughs> And so yeah, did you just throw like, a dart at the map? I mean, what'd you do? That's what our pastor says now that we did. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you know, like did this loop-de-loop. Yeah. Um, so we were like, we say, okay, well, let's pray about it. So a few days later, my husband was like, have you been praying about it? And I said, yeah, actually I have. Have you? And he's like, yep, a lot. I said, well, where do you feel like? And he's like, well... I know I don't want this place and this place and this place, but I really feel like Tennessee. And I said, I feel the same thing. Weird. Like, Just randomly you guys came up with the same state? Yeah. So then when we thought about it, we were like, both said Tennessee. We Then we started doing our research mm-hmm. on Tennessee. And some of the big things, we didn't want to move back to the West Coast mm-hmm. at all. We had lived in, he's from California. I'm okay. from Oregon. And you lived in Washington. We lived in Oregon. We lived in Washington. And we just, we tend to be more, you know, middle of the road, but lean more conservative. Mm-hmm. Um, so we really wanted someplace that just aligned with our values and morals a little more than West Coast or Hawaii. And we tried West Coast all over. And he didn't want to go back to someplace that gets a lot of snow. Mm-hmm. I freeze. He gets tired of shoveling snow. Mm-hmm. So we went someplace with semi-warmer mo- um, winters. And we went someplace within driving distance to certain, to family. He has family in Arkansas. I have family in Missouri. I have some family in Tennessee. I have family in Florida. What side of Missouri? Then, uh, Kansas City side. Really? That's six hours from us. Interesting. Really? Yeah. It's nine hours for me, but it's within driving distance. Yeah. Yeah. I took my 13 year old to a Chiefs game back oh. in September. So, yeah, that's 13. <clears throat> Crazy. Um, so it just fit. Now, where in Tennessee we were going to go, we didn't know. <laughs> so we'd started doing research and kind of had like this triangle area of where we thought we were going to, what we thought we liked. And it ranged from Nashville to Knoxville down to Chattanooga. And so, so the middle, the entire middle of the state. Yeah, the entire <laughs> nice. middle of the state before you get to hillbilly country. Yeah. yeah. Um, so my husband and I at the beginning of February flew out here Um, to just February kind of 22 ex- this year. Yep. February 22 of this year. At and that point, were you time. packed, ready to roll? No. Okay. No, I was not. We were still finishing up stuff on our oh, house. <laughs> That's what you got to do when you sell it. Then you've got to finish it. Yeah. And then we came out here. We kind of drove. I think we drove like over 1,500 miles in two days. We drove. Just all over I mean, the state? 
not all over the state, just all over to different areas. We even went a little west of Nashville mm-hmm. um, just to see, make sure that that wasn't something we wanted to entertain. Yeah. So we drove all over and we'd get to certain areas and be like, nope, this doesn't feel right. This doesn't feel right. You have a divining so, rod you were driving with. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. Felt like it. It's down. There it is. That's the one. <laughs> And the little town we moved to wasn't even, like, on our radar. Um, did you drive through town, it, or how'd you find it? We did drive through it. We don't even remember driving through <laughs> it, but we did. We don't remember. Actually, my husband does remember one thing about the little town and then a couple areas outside of town, but I don't. I only remember one thing about it. So we listed our house. The day we listed our house, the house and farm that we ended up purchasing listed the same day and it was everything we wanted and we called their realtor here who's a friend of some family and was like this is our house this is what we want she put in an offer the next day and our offer was that was on a Friday that we wanted our house went up and this house went up we put in our offer on Saturday we had an offer in our Hawaii house on Sunday. Oh, we accepted we accepted the offer. Our our offer on the Tennessee house was accepted on Sunday and we accepted an offer on Monday on our Hawaii. That's not house. divine by any means. No. Wow. So it was planned out. And then we um muted your microphone. Sorry. It looks muted. That's better. Okay. Got here. It was perfect. Oh, hang on. You're on the, you're not on the, your microphone anymore. You're on the uh, your laptop mic. Because I pushed. Within StreamYard, Does you should to change Ooh. the, make sure your mic or your, in the settings, there should be a audio Did it work? option. Maybe say something. Myself. Say something. Did that work? That's better. Yeah. Okay. It's a little quieter than it was, but that better. There we go. All right. Okay. So you sold. So both houses, like contracts on both, within what twenty four yeah. hours, forty eight hours. Yeah. That's crazy. Very short time, That's and crazy. it all worked out. We ended up selling our house for actually a little more than what we were wanting in Hawaii. So we were able to pretty much pay cash for this house and just all worked out. That's incredible. Crazy, It is. Well, you leave the highest market in the world and go to a more reasonable market. <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. It, it's crazy over there. And then we actually ended up, got here. The property next to us ended up going for sale. So we bought that property too. Oh, really? <laughs> We're slowly expanding our farm. So, so it, is the goal to kind of have a, a farm, like run it as a, like to have livestock and things or? Yep. That's the goal. Really? Eventually. One step at a time. But yeah, that's the goal. We want some, my daughter wants a horse, of course. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. And <laughs> we want um, to get some cattle, some chickens and Try to homestead as much as possible with today's world. You like a prepper now? 
No. Because my yeah, wife would he... be. She started hoarding like flour and beans and. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's fun because we I, I have these bins now in our house full of stuff. I, we I make sourdough breads. Ones? Oh no, like a. Uh, they're big. I don't know what they are. Ten. They're yeah. But yeah, they're I all do... like industrial looking. I guess you could say I am because whenever <laughs> I go to the store for certain things, I always buy a little extra. Yep. <laughs> yep. So I guess so, but. I just want to get back to the roots. Like mm-hmm. yep. we've come so dependent on things and 2020 should have showed us how dependent we were on certain things and that we shouldn't be. Well, and, and the, the powers that be um, encouraged it by only yes. allowing the, really the big boys to operate during yes, that. Now you, you so. people who want to, you know, do it naturally and more organic and more, you know, smaller form. Nope, you're not worth it. We need to go big. And I think that's dangerous. Oh, I agree. It's very dangerous. And it's not, it shows our vulnerability. That's, mm-hmm. I don't like, I don't, personally don't like feeling that way. I don't like feeling vulnerable. Yeah. yeah, what happens if the railroad strike actually happens and you cannot get supplies? Or the diesel gets yeah. so much that truckers can't drive. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah so what do we do? Yeah. So, and I think that's a real problem and it means you have to stock up on food and you got to stock up on ammunition because at some point you might need to protect your food. And I hate to say that, but. No, you're right. I think that's why my husband has a room just for that stuff. Hey, hello. (laughs) (laughs) That's fantastic. Another reason to not live in Hawaii. Yes. Another reason. (laughs) Yeah. That's my husband almost went to jail for that. What? Oh, Uh, can you tell that story? So in Hawaii, if you're transporting or buying anything like that, mm-hmm. um, you have to report it. Like firearm mm-hmm. or ammunition or both or either one? Uh, both because he had to claim his ammunition too. If oh, so it, that was like cert- you taking it over there to move, correct? Or was it moving yeah. out? No, it was well, I guess moving both, there. Okay. So you have to, you have certain amount of days to go take your gun guns to the police station and register everything. Oh, that's horse. <sighs> if you're actually buying a gun in the state, they you actually they send your gun to the police station. You have to go to the police station, register and do all that stuff there. So it's very difficult. It's not easy to have or get guns there. Um so we moved all of our guns but a couple with us. And one of the guns he had was, it was basically like that one that they're trying to ban as an oh, assault rifle. The scary one? The, yeah, scary, the scary looking one. one? But it had a short barrel. Oh, so it was technically illegal. Yep. Yes. Well, he had <laughs> called before he brought it over and they're like, oh yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Oh, no. Well, he got it there and registered it. And they're like, this is an illegal gun here. He's like, I called and asked. I was going to keep it secretly. (laughs) (laughs) And so he's like, well, what do I do now? So they like draw up all these papers, send them to the prosecutor's office. They confiscated the gun. Permanently? Oh, yeah. They wouldn't give it back to him when he moved either. They don't know where or. We don't know where it's at. And that was another thing when we were moving. He had the ammunition for it still. Mm-hmm. They didn't take that. He had the ammunition for it still, 
and they didn't want to release it out of the state to go somewhere else. Did they so though? Almost eventually, oh, yes. Brother. But he had to wait for a second trip when he had to go back and fill out this paperwork and all this stuff and then bring it back home with him. Uh, welcome to the mainland. I know. <laughs> it's so nice. Oh, that's ridiculous. No, I love Hawaii. <laughs> I love the people of Hawaii. Mm-hmm. It just, it's, if you ever move to someplace like that, you have to look at it. Alaska is probably similar. You have to look at it as a different country. Yeah. Yep. It's a different country because mm-hmm. they do things completely different. Um, and that's, if you're ever thinking about moving there, just look at, think of it as a different, you're moving to a different country, mm-hmm. not part of the U.S. Because it doesn't feel like the U.S. The government is corrupt. Even the people there will tell you it's corrupt, whether they're doesn't matter which side they're really? on. They'll play it's corrupt. Yeah. It's definitely a different place to live. So it's fun to visit. Oh, yeah. It'll be a great place to vacation and then leave. Yes. <laughs> that's, see, that's what I think about Seattle. It's a fantastic place to go for a minute and then drive away from. Yeah, I could only handle Seattle for like a day. Mm-hmm. My wife, before we got married, she lived in Ballard, which is just a north suburb. Um, yeah. And great place. She was there for like six months. Um, great place to to be for a minute but certainly not to live long term no but portland's the same way oh man i loved going to portland and now when i go to portland i'm like okay it's slightly different than it was when you were there oh it is so different i was just there six months ago seven months ago and i was like this is horrible now Mm -hmm. my mom still lives there she loves it really yeah she they love portland i mean they don't like there's certain things they don't like. But they are they still in love the it. city proper, though? Oh yeah. Oh. Yep. They're not very far from. You know where Emmanuel Hospital is? I think so. Actually, yes. One of the uh, my friends from uh, our church in Oregon, in Roseburg, his uh, kid was in a really bad car accident back before Thanksgiving, and he's okay. in that hospital right now, still. Yeah. So yeah. they don't live very far from Emmanuel, and my mom mm. works right around the corner okay. from there. Wow. So you're homesteading. Um, uh, was it difficult to convert or transition your photography? Yeah, it still that? is. Yeah. Well, okay. So I, I think about that. You know, if I ever was to relocate, you know, I've built a clientele for half of what I do. Now I do a lot of online, a lot of commercial work that is, you know, not bound to local clients necessarily. But portrait photography is. Yeah, and you rely on the same co- clients coming back again mm-hmm. and again yeah. or referring other clients. Mm-hmm. So I had some um, photography friends here already. From so that, how? Just um, from networking events or what, how did that work out? Yeah, so we have mutual, uh, like a couple mutual friends in Washington. Hmm. And actually one of them ended up moving out to Tennessee from Washington just right after we did. Okay. So... Basically, just mutual networking, mm-hmm. knowing I know this person, they know that person, then we became friends, that type of a thing. So it's still difficult, though, because I'm like an hour, 45 minutes from any city. Okay. So it's like, I mean, every time I've moved, it's like starting over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's, right. that's hard. <laughs> yeah. So are you like, like between Nashville and Knoxville? I am. I'm okay. about an hour east of Nashville and two hours west of Knoxville. Okay. 
because we were through there last uh, August. I've been in Nashville. I was there in 2007 for an event um, and then hadn't been through till last April um, again. And it was kind of cool just to see it again. But uh, yeah, it's a, I, I think it's a fun place to go. I don't know. I don't know what it'd be like to live in Nashville proper, but I couldn't live in Nashville proper. <laughs> but Jeremy Cowart, you know him? Yeah. Photographer to the yes. stars. Yes. Um, I think he's in Franklin. Yeah, Franklin's nice. Um, Franklin's like where the rich people yeah, live. He'll actually be on this in, this show in January. So oh, cool. That will be cool. I'm excited to talk about his new weird. Do you follow him at all in the social medias? I don't, but um, I might you, now. You should, only because he has, well, and I think it would be incredible. I, I wish I was there because I would go to him to have him sh- photograph me. Because he has these new one-minute portraits he do he does. One minute portraits. Go look look at his Instagram. Um, it is wild, and I'm. This is one of the big reasons I wanted to get him on here because it's so unique and so I, no one else is doing it. I've never seen it. It's like See, that's the thing: trying to be unique yeah. and different than mm-hmm. everybody else around you. That's yeah. the key. And you know, he's such an artist. It's it's. I mean, he's he's an interesting guy, big time. And I I've I know people that know him, um, in the in the music world down in Nashville, but. I don't, I've never met him before, so it'll be kind of fascinating to have that chat. But um, it's weird. It's like a almost, I don't know, hold the shutter down. And then he's got this array of lights that's scattered all around. And it just takes them. And the lights hit different every time. There's no, and he's like, I don't know what I'm going to get when I take these pictures. It's art. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at his yeah. Instagram. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it's incredible. But uh, you're close enough. You should totally go there and have him do it. Because I don't know what he charges. I don't think it's a ton of money for that. Because it's fast. In and out. Quick. But it would be so incredible. I would I, I would almost drive there to do it. because, And I may next that year. Is, it is so cool. And some of it's not good. I mean, obviously, you're going to get weird stuff. But it is it, art. It's like double exposure. Sometimes yeah. it works. Sometimes mm-hmm. it don't. Well, when you shoot, uh, do you use lighting? Like, are you a light strobe person? I do have strobes, and I have OFCs and all that other stuff. I hate it, but I use it, and I know how to use it. I just, it's not my favorite. You hate it, really? So Actually, I love my <laughs> alien bees. I shouldn't say I hate it. I love my alien bees. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you got to have a power. This, you got to have a power bank or a cord dragging around the room. Yep. And then like um when I was in Hawaii, I was learning a lot from I don't know if you know who this is, Angela Nelson. Mm, not right off, huh? She's in Hawaii and she's like a um I'm sure you know what Magmod is. Yeah, I think I've heard of it. But she's she a huge ambassador yep. for them. And she does amazing things with their just off-camera flashes and using their stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how do you do this? She, like, <laughs> does amazing things. And she's got all these gels. She's got her fanny pack. She's, like, so fast. I feel like it takes me 20 minutes just to get my lighting figured out <laughs> for a semi-decent picture <laughs> with all that stuff. And she's like, oh, no, I love this. Now, if it's in studio, I prefer my Alien B because... It's nice. It's easy. It's huge. Well, what modifier do you use? Sorry for anyone listening. I, I we're gonna geek out for a minute because we're kind of <laughs> so it's all right. 
Um, I just have the regular white umbrella diffuser. Okay. And that's that's my preference. I like that soft light. Mm-hmm. How but, big? How big? Uh, I have the what is it? The seventy. Seventy-two. Yes, oh, I think it's a seventy-two. Okay, not silver, but it's white. like yes, white. Mm-hmm. And I just like it because I like that soft. Mm-hmm. Like now, I have a friend, and she uses the silver side to where she like gets the shadow harsh, behind. Yep. Mm-hmm. Feels people, like more like sunlight. Then, yes, mm-hmm. and she does amazing work with that. When I do use that one, I feel like I don't know. I feel like shooting at the prime time of sunlight outside. Right. But then you can control it though. You can't control the sun very well. You can't, you can't control it. You can't move the sun. You can move your light. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> so, but <laughs> I just prefer that the white cause it just works for me. And yep. when I'm going now, once I have my in-home studio set up, I want to play with like the darker shadows more because I love shadows. Okay, like m- really moody stuff? Yes, that's my favorite. Mm. Interesting. Just like my favorite outside weather is like our weather we've been having here in Tennessee lately. A little bit stormy and mm-hmm. foggy. The light is so gorgeous. Yes, that's my favorite. Mm-hmm. Well, it cracks me up. I get people come in, oh, it's cloudy outside. You know, we need sun, right, when you're outside? <laughs> it's like, no, I want, no. When you have clouds, that's the biggest softbox you could buy. Yep. That's what I tell people too. It's like, no, pictures are the Mm -hmm. greatest in this type of weather. They're like, but there's no sun. Oh, there's sun. Yeah. Yeah. But they Uh, expect like that glowing, mm -hmm. uh, what do you call it? Golden hour pictures. And sometimes that doesn't work. That term, I despise. I do too. Thank you. I despise that term because it's so (laughs) abused. It's like bokeh. Uh, oh, I gotta yes. go search for bokeh. Really? No, go away. Yeah, I don't the like golden the bokeh term I want the either. golden hour. I need that golden hour look. <sighs> really? Okay. So what you're doing is you're telling yourself, "I want to only have 15 minutes with you." <laughs> That's what that is. Basically. <laughs> yeah. And good luck. If there's wind, we're screwed. Yeah. No, I, I'd much rather then, light with the sunset with strokes. And then it's completely by the time that you have like that small window to mm-hmm. shoot in golden hour, mm-hmm. and after that, your lighting's gone and yeah. your pictures look like junk. Or, or oh. then at that point, I, if I do that, then I bring strobes out. There and you then go. Expose for the sky and then expose for them, and it's that's what I go. do. I yeah, I'm much more. But I'm also getting out of a lot of regular portrait work because of that. Yeah. I don't want to do the the typical anymore. I'm done with it. Uh, do you are, are you a Photoshop uh, expert? Do you? I'm not an expert. Any? Well, okay, but I use it. But you know how to use it competently. Yes, yes. I love that little brush tool. Which one? <laughs> the Sorry. content aware one. Oh yeah. Yep. Yep. And I and I use. Uh, like I never used it before until this last year, but I use portraiture and I actually love it. All right. So you I can don't... find Daniel's information. At... <laughs> I don't use it all Thanks the time for and listening, for every everybody. picture. Uh, that is the one thing that over my career um, 
has been so abused by young photographers. I'm not saying oh, it's yeah. not valuable. I think it is. But it's so over-abused. Or overused. Well, I feel like it gets used too much to cover up a bad picture. Totally. Hey, check me out. Look, my it, it, it's like the soften filter on Instagram. You know, you can add makeup. It's like that. And that's what yeah. these people are using it for. Yep. But no, I just, uh, I, I've never been a plug-in fan, personally. And part of it's because I, I never use... I never started with them, so I learned how to use, not use them. See, that's nice. That's the only plug-in I do use okay. is that one. And then uh, I do love my Liquify tool. So you like, you, like, <laughs> you like lying with your pictures? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Well, Mm-hmm. Yes, I do. I mean, if somebody has like a big mm-hmm. old double chin and it doesn't look flattering, I'm going to get rid of it. Well, you should have photographed them differently. <laughs> uh, well, sometimes Sorry. it's this not is... preventable. I do try. This is the reason I wear a beard. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> like me. It doesn't matter how big or skinny I am. I always have a double chin when I smile. Like, Well, of course, fails. if you shove your chin back <laughs> into your neck, everyone's going to have something. I know. But it never fails. I always... <laughs> feel like I have a double chin like my cousin and his wife were here just a few weeks ago and I did pictures for them and he has the same thing mm-hmm. no matter what he does no matter position <laughs> he always has like this double yeah. chin so yes I got rid of his little double chin a little bit well, I didn't so... get rid of it completely it's still it's there. minimized like, it yeah yeah I just minimized it so it didn't look like you know hanging down <laughs> right <there. laughs> oh man no when I take a picture, I want it to show the person that I actually took the yeah. picture of, not Okay, what so what is your like. what is your philosophy on blemish removal? Like what kind of blemishes? Not acne act- primarily. Oh, I'm going to get rid of it as much as possible <clears throat> without being asked to. No. Really? I will get rid of it to a point and then I will leave some things with and the just kind of lightly- slider. <laughs> Yeah, with that, that's what I use it for. No, really? No, no, not all the time. Okay. No, for I feel like for close-ups, I don't like portraiture and close-ups. Yeah, because it's not that it's not that good. I no. don't think. Yeah. No, and it blurs your photo really bad. Mm-hmm. Well, that's how you make blemishes go away. You soften. That's what softening is, right? You know, way back, well, dad. My dad used to shoot film. Like when I was a kid, he shot weddings. Um, yeah, I remember that. And he had, actually, I think he shot the wedding you and I were in together when we were like three. It was like my <clears> aunt's <throat> wedding, I think. <laughs> Who's, was, whose wedding was that? Deanna? I think it was my Aunt Deanna. Yes, yes, it was. Oh, geez, yeah. that was a long time ago. That was um, a really long time ago. There's pictures of us somewhere. Uh, but he had a a certain filter that he would put on the front of his lens. I think I have it. I have his, all his gear upstairs. And... It was just covered in grease. But he was like, out in the shoot, he'd just, you know, get grease off your face, wipe it on there. But the softness that that produced was incredible back then. So it was really cool. Um, That's not the softness we want today. (laughs) That's not good. No. Now we look for more megapixels to make it nicer. Correct. (laughs) And now my phone, no. I know. (laughs) It's terrible. My yeah. phone almost has better pictures than my camera. Well, it does because it, it does all the work. You it know, does. You know, everyone says, if you don't shoot manual, you're not a professional. I kind of follow that line only because I think that I want to I make the camera do what I want. I want to tell it what to do. 
However, I may not be that good in some things, some weird, um, you know, weird lighting. Maybe I need to let the camera, which is designed to evaluate properly, set some things. I do. If it's indoor stuff indoors, I switch it to auto. Auto what? Auto everything? No. No. Mainly for my white balance. Do you shoot raw? I do shoot raw. Are you are you and running I, a custom white balance with raw files? No. Doing what? You don't adjust white balance after the fact? Oh, yes, I do. Oh, okay. Absolutely. But I try to shoot in Kelvin, and it, I am horrible at it. Why? <laughs> oh, my goodness. I think it's just my differentials off or something. Well, oh, like well are you still using the Nikon? Yes, I am. Oh, I know. There you go. No, I'm kidding. I know. No, it's fine. It no, but it's true. Nikon always tends to shoot cooler, especially indoors. Oh, I did not know that. Hm. And it's it can be very frustrating. So I will switch my camera to auto white balance for when I'm indoors because otherwise I'll put it into my camera mm-hmm. or into my computer and they're darker and bluer. Well, you can fix it though, can't you? I know, but when you're in the shoot and you're in a hurry trying to get pictures of families or receptions, it's just easier sometimes. You Lightroom person? I am a Lightroom person. Per uh, Okay, so here's the question I always ask, and I, this is so in the weeds. If anyone's still listening, I apologize. <laughs> um, but, um, <clears throat> do you run a catalog for your company or a catalog per client? Per client. Good. That's the right way to do it. I don't understand. I know people that run a catalog per their job, the whole whole company. No. And then they have these weird collections everywhere. And I just, that's so cumbersome. Yeah. I feel like I would get overwhelmed with that. I would. The, the only downside that I see in that, doing it the way I do it, which I think is the way you do it, um, is being able to look at all, like say all my high school seniors for the year. I can't do that. You know? To then pick out from everyone I did the favorites into one collection. I can't do that. Yeah. Now I can go to each catalog for each one and do that. But so so there is some downside, but I don't think it's worth the the headache of having a catalog with fifty thousand pictures in it. I don't either. I will actually I do not take my images from my card and put them straight into Lightroom either. I individualize everything onto my computer and then I go and put them into the catalogs in Lightroom. So you, so you don't use Lightroom to import? Not from the cards, no. Why? I use it to import from my computer. Yeah, but what's the, the what, what's the reason? Because you could put it in the same place through Lightroom. Yes, you could. But I like to have it multiple places because I never know what's going to happen. <laughs> And I'm a little paranoid about that. So I put it into on my computer, mm-hmm. onto the, my hard drive, onto a separate hard drive. Mm-hmm. And then I put you do it that at one time or is that room. like two separate actions you're doing? Oh, I do it all at one time. Because in... It slows uh, down my computer. But Lightroom will allow you to save to a separate second destination at the same time. An import. Yes. But whatever. It's fine. Yes, I know. <laughs> Early on in I the Lightroom know. game, they didn't do that well. Like... It would corrupt a lot of files, but nowadays no, it's powerful. It would, 
bog it down and make it so slow. So I've just gotten into the habit of doing it this one way. So that's just what I do. And that's, that's the right way then. That's one thing that I tell young photographers. If it works, chances are it's not wrong. I haven't no. had an issue yet. When I have an issue, I'll go. <laughs> right. Then you'll then I'll pick it up and throw it out. Are you a Mac or PC? I am a Mac. I used to have a PC and then my husband got me a Mac. And now I can't use anything else. And then when I get on a PC, I get so frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes I wish I had a PC because like Safari and some things just don't work with Mac. Chrome, what you have to do. Yes. Yeah, yep. which is irritating. I agree. Uh, I, I run a main PC for most of my work, but I, my mobile is all Apple. So yep. I have laptop and all my client proofings are all done on my Mac. And But it, how, are, how current is your machine? You talk about it bogging down. Oh, no. It's just because I have too much junk on it. How current is it, though? Is it an um, Intel, Intel product? Or is it the new yes, it is. M series? No, it's the Intel. <sighs> well, when you're ready to, yeah, I know. I bought my, my laptop I la- with i i nine. Okay. Right before they released the new M ones, and it made me mad. See, they always do that. I know. I spent way so way too much money on this thing, and I could spend a thousand dollars less and get a more powerful laptop now. Yeah, that's. What do you that- do? I know. The thing is, you got to run. You can't wait for the next thing always. No, because there's always something better. (laughs) Yeah. So do you, um, like in your, in the next two to five years, what do you see your photography at? Like, is is that a uh, full-time or is that going to be a more boutique hand-picked client? Probably more boutique hand-picked. I have, well, I have two kids graduating homeschool. I've always kept it a little smaller. Mm -hmm. I've never gotten too big. So like I will only do at my busiest times, one to two weddings a month and that's it. And that's it. Jeez. (laughs) Yeah. Good work. That's a lot. That's it. Mm -hmm. Um, I know some people in like the, you know, the prime wedding season, they'll do like a wedding every weekend yeah. or even sometimes two weddings a weekend. And yeah. I'm like, I'm never doing that. Well, I don't understand I how family. they have a life and have a turnaround time. Exactly. I would mm-hmm. be so bogged down with work all the time. I never have my family. And that's yeah. something that's very important to me is making sure I have my family time. Cause my kids are only home for so long. Right. So I think in the next few years, I probably won't do even that amount of weddings, I would keep it to shorten my window, my wedding window, instead of all year, only saying, okay, I can only do it these certain months. Mm-hmm. And then only doing, keeping it still small, and then moving, maybe moving more to family photography, because I really enjoy doing family photography. I like to keep it fun, and they like me for that, so I feel like I'm going to be stepping up to that more. Well, we might need to make a road trip then because <laughs> that's something that yeah. I'm not adding more of. So, <laughs> cool. Yeah, I love family photography. <clears throat> I mean, I get parents that come in all tense and I'm like, no, let's just have fun. Mm-hmm. We'll get some pictures, some good pictures where you guys are, you know, 
looking at the camera, looking at each other, but then we're just going to have fun. Play, play, play yeah. ring around the rosies, play, you know, throw your kids up in the air, have fun. If mm-hmm. the kids are having fun, then they're going to take good pictures. If they're bored out of their minds, then you're going to get frustrated. Or getting yelled at. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's so, never good. <laughs> yeah. And then if you're a family photographer, you need to find out from the parents what the snacks the kids like and bring snacks. Ooh, that's a good tip. Yeah. For people that because waited they, the entire hour and 45 minutes for that. That's the that's the tip right there. Really? You like to yeah. ask that question? Yes. I asked my parents, what snacks can your kids have? And I don't just assume because I have strict diet rules for my kids. Mm-hmm. So I want to ask the parents, are there any snacks that you approve for your kids? And if they're saying, no, we don't do snacks. And they say, well, is there any toy, little mm-hmm. toy or something I could get your kids? Because if you're bringing, first of all, it shows your client that you're going to be attentive towards their kids, yep. that you care about their kids and what they're doing. And you care about and so, the parents and what they want in their family. That's cool. Yes. And then it shows the kids that, ooh, I did good. I can get a prize or I get, you know, shows that you appreciate that they took the time mm-hmm. to work for you. Interesting. So speaking Let's of face food. It, well, I no, have what? kids. Yeah. I have kids and then going and taking pictures is the least of what they want to do. Oh, I'll tell you what. My <laughs> four-year-old wants nothing to do with it right now. And so for Christmas for the last two years, he has been screaming out of his mind in our kid picture. What are you going to do? <laughs> it's just special. And he's got to roll with he's it. He's a doll. Get him away from the light, away from where we're supposed to take it. Perfect. I don't want pictures. Okay. I don't like pictures, really, until he wants it. And then he's all about it. But it's hilarious. So, yeah, yep, we have. My, my five-year-old always has a face in every picture. It never <laughs> fails. But, see, that's so fun when you look back on it. Because then that's their it personality. Is. It's who they are. And isn't it that is. really the point of photography? Capturing the moment. Capturing the moment. The moment. Mm-hmm. There it is. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's our, I, I, for years I had on my website, I think, um, photography is our only visual link to the past. It's true. And it's, it, it's the one thing, it's the one visual we get to bring with us from history. And that's why that and, and journals, you know, journals are the, the mind story. Um, and that's lost. The only, the journal we have today is Twitter. You know, it's the occasional blog. <laughs> it's. Well, you put it on the internet. It's for there, over there. It's never going away. Yeah. But we don't have, you know, if you go back and read, you know, back when you had to go between England and America on a ship and it took you weeks to get there. Um. You know, you get stories, you know, between Ben Franklin and was it his wife when he was when he was in France. Uh, you know, those are back and forth conversations. We don't have that in today's society just because we don't need to do it that way. No. So how do we how do we document history to for for the next generations? And I kind of think podcasting is one of the ways to do it. And it's one of the things that I love about these conversations is I don't know where they're going to go. I don't have a, an agenda with any of them other than a conversation. <laughs> I heard uh, John C. Dvorak says, um, people want to be voyeurs on a, into a good conversation. And I really think so. I mean, listening into people talk about something that they're interested in, 
and that they have some knowledge in is fascinating. You know, if you're at the diner and the people beside you are talking about something that I'm interested in, that's interesting. That's a podcast. That's what we're doing, really. Yeah. Just to record it for all of time, I guess. I think you're right. Except what's the reason behind crime podcasts? History. We got to learn history. Otherwise, we'll, we're destined to repeat, repeat it. it. <laughs> <laughs> but that's strict. What's the point of movies? It's entertainment. It is. It is. It's also mind numbing. You know, it keeps the slaves from uh, from seeing what the, their benevolent leaders are doing. Uh, professional true. athletics. It keeps the uh, keeps the, the, the young men at bay because they have a beer to drink and they have a team to root for. Yeah. And so they don't pay attention to what their corrupt leaders might be doing. Which That's a said. whole side note, but Yeah, I, I agree. That's a whole other topic. <laughs> it totally is. And I get yelled at by several people when I start going down the sports road, but uh, it, it, it's an interesting thought. You know, back in Rome, why did they start the Colosseum? What was that about? It was sport. It was entertainment. But they needed to give the poor people something to root for. And so they did it with blood and food. Yeah, that's kind of sickening. It's disgusting, yeah. Now we just don't kill people. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not a big sports person, so I'm like, yeah. I'm actually... More of a sports person than my husband. My husband hates sports. Uh, He'll play them. Across the board? He'll play them, but he hates, like, he does nothing to do with the NFL, MLB, any of it. He Mm -hmm. doesn't, he doesn't. In fact, we were at a family's house, one of our family members' house, and they had sports on, and they were watching the game, and he's like, I just don't get it. (laughs) Like, I don't either. It's like, I would rather be out hunting or doing something like that. Now, he likes hunting. So, that's all right. Shooting, shooting sports, but yep. he's just not into like, you know, contact sport, things like that. Men in tight uniforms, bright colored uniforms, running about like chill. Sorry. Quiet. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe that's it because he <laughs> hates like the ballet, Broadway, anything like that. Really? He doesn't. He'll go with me because mm-hmm. I enjoy certain things like that, but it's not his thing. Because he values you appropriately. That's wonderful. Yes, that is. That's great. Uh, what about like, like rodeo? Is that a sport he can get into? Yeah, he'll go watch the rodeo yeah. anytime. But like I took him to, um, for our anniversary, we went to Florida and we went to a Cirque du Soleil show. It mm-hmm. wasn't his thing. He went with me, but... He's like, this doesn't make any sense. This wouldn't happen in real life. He's a very much a realist. <laughs> I'm like, it's make believe. Uh, well, you know, <clears throat> some of us, not us, but <laughs> are absolute realists. My uh, oldest is. kid is 16. When he was, I don't know, second grade or something, uh, he was taking a test. And on the test... It was a reading comprehension. And the paragraph he had to read was something to do with sunflowers and how tall they grow. Well, he was just stuck on the fact that they do not grow that tall. So he got, he got lost on that, on that thing and didn't even get the point that, true or not, what did you understand about what you read? But he got yeah. so stuck on, well, this can't be true. They can't be this tall. So they're not. 
So I, 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 they're wrong. So he missed the entire point. <laughs> yeah, that's like my eldest. My eldest is very literal. Everything's oh, literal. So Sarah told uh, Calvin, our oldest, a couple years ago, he's, he's, he's phenomenal. He's a great kid. We love him. And he's not this way anymore. Um, but she called him and said, put some water on the stove for noodles. And then I'll be home. She got home. Pot of water sitting on the stove. Stone cold. He, he, <laughs> did, he did the task. So then she learned that, all right, now add heat. You know, there's another step that you sh- we just assumed you knew. But <laughs> uh, it's so fun. She didn't say it. So it exactly, yeah. Him to that. Mm-hmm. And that, that's, that's how he's been he his whole life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds like my oldest. Yeah. It's like, if you tell him to put water in a pot, he wants to know exactly how much water you want to make sure he gets it right. So you have to say, okay, mm-hmm. fill, it, fill it halfway or fill it to below the handle or... Oh, Say hilarious. five cups. Yeah. Because he wants to know exactly. Otherwise, he's like, I could just go put a cup of water in and you wanted the full pot. A little water. <laughs> you have to be very, and my husband's not like that. Mm-hmm. He's like, he expects, not expects, but he thinks that if he says something, you should already know what he means. Mm. Yeah. And so The nuance work- should just be known. Yeah. Yeah. So... They work together and they're complete opposites and somehow they make it work. And I'm going insane between the two of them if I'm around them. <laughs> like, how do you guys communicate? And then they'll get frustrated at each other sometimes, very rarely, but sometimes because my husband didn't communicate something a certain way. Mm-hmm. And my son didn't hear it the way he needed to hear it to actually get it done. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, I got to be the middleman to I got to be the translator. So you're the translator, right? Is <laughs> that's one of mom's job? It's in the job description. You didn't know that. <laughs> I, I'm learning that with the different personalities of having kids. Isn't that crazy? So you know, we homeschool also, um, but we've got four kids. You've got four kids. They're all so different in how they process, how they learn, how they interact, and yet the society says put them all in the same lump. And, and, and we'll expect the same thing out of all of them, no matter what. That just feels yeah. like that's dangerous or, or, or um, not, not productive is a better word. It is. That's why I'm so glad I homeschooled because yeah. every one of them learns differently. Some of them are not good at other things while others are really good at them. Mm-hmm. And I want to know what those are so that I can help them in things they're not good at and help them excel better at the things they're really good at. So like my daughter, she wants to be a vet. She loves science. She's good at math. My son, who is actually 20 months older than her, is in the same grade as her. Okay. And so he hates school. Oh, he's the worst. (laughs) He hates school. He'd rather be out like doing something with his hands. Is he intuitive though? He is. He's, but he wants to be Mm hands-on, like he doesn't want to just read about how to do math. He wants to actually, okay, well, if I do, like, he wants right. to be hands-on. Yep. And my daughter, she just, if she reads about it, she, like, can remember it for the rest of her life. So they're very different. But my son, who, he's the 15-year-old, he can do math. He, he just hates it. Mm-hmm. He hates English, but he does very good at English, and he loves to read. Really? But he hates he hates book reports, anything like that. Mm-hmm. Can, can he, he tell you the book report? 
Oh, yeah. So we do vocal book, book reports because he hates writing them out. Mm-hmm. Perfect. But so we do vocal. Yeah. But if he was in a public school, they wouldn't do that for him. He'd be in a special needs class. Yeah. Or in, like in it's, detention. Yes, because he just learned. It, it's not that he's stupid. Yeah. He, he just, mm-hmm. actually, that's probably a, what do you call that? Politically incorrect a word. A trigger word? <laughs> no. <laughs> right. He's just, he learns differently yeah. and does things differently. So I have, being homeschooled, I can cater to what mm-hmm. helps him. Now, if he decides to go to college, he's on his own. But at that point, um, the hope is that we will have taught them how to learn and yes. how to figure things out. And then at that point, you can kind of work through, because college is supposed to be, I mean, I, I didn't go, so I'm not 100% for sure. But I think it's supposed to be where different kinds of learning can happen. But maybe that's not the case. I think it just depends on what you're going to college for. Well, yeah, I guess we're going to be a bridge engineer. It's kind of a, you better get it right. Yeah, which my eldest wants to be an electrical engineer. So All right. He's very literal, so he'd be perfect for that job. Mm-hmm. But my second... He wants to work with his dad doing construction because really? he likes hands-on stuff. Hmm. And he doesn't want to do anything that has to do math. And my husband's like, Building is all math. math. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, he's like, I do math yeah. every day. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, but it's different. It, it is. And yes, it is. Um, one thing the dad said early on, and I, I remember him telling people about this as I was young, um, about the reasons, one of the reasons they homeschool is, you can put these lessons of like math lessons into real world application where you have, you know, so, so you give your kid a task and the task is here's the recipe for the food we're going to eat for dinner. Here's the parts, the parts list, you know, the ingredient list we need to go get, but the recipes for four, we need it for six. That's a math problem. Yeah. And we're budgeting. And, yeah. And so saying, we're, okay, you have this amount to go spend exactly, on this yeah. meal. Yeah. And so we're not saying, do this math problem, long division, quick, write out, show us your work. It's <laughs> show us your work, which is the meal. Figure it out. And I think that is so, because that's a lesson you're going to actually learn, retain, and keep. Oh, yeah. You're not going to remember that algebra problem oh, that you I, saw in your book. <laughs> no. And I, you know, I, I look at that. Sarah's way better. She does, she does all the tutoring uh, of the children's. <laughs> um, the formulas of algebra I, I forget them i don't know the the sequence in order i don't know i don't use it ever no so yeah i'm also not building structures that need to stand <laughs> i'll build a table i can build those but but you like just all the um computer technology stuff you do you use math in that too you uh, just yeah. don't realize it well yeah but i'm not yeah the, yes but but see it's not and that's what I think it's fascinating about doing hands-on um, Yes, is you don't think that, oh, this is a, you know, 17 times four. It's, you know, whatever you're doing. And ratios, you know, in pictures, it's all there. But, yeah. I don't know, it's kind of wild. But I think we need more people that are willing to um, at least look outside of the system. And... I think that you guys, uh, or at least you, from what I've seen, are doing that, and it's wonderful. And creating a, raising up a generation that uh, is going to hopefully carry it on. So good yeah, work. Don't be box people. Don't be box. Yeah, that's what I call it. What? Well, okay. People who only 
live inside a box. They oh. have to fit everything inside that box. Yes. Yes. Uh, oh, real quick. Uh, one yes. last thought before uh, we shut this record down. I don't. I mean, we're two hours, so. Uh, anyway, I appreciate everyone hanging out. Those five of you that did. Um, the uh, uh, DanielleLouise.com is your website. On Facebook yes. at Danielle Louise Moments, is that correct? It's Danielle on Facebook. I don't even know what it is on Facebook. No, to be you're. Get the, I'm looking at it. it. Says Danielle Louise Moments. Well, then you're is probably the Facebook right. URL. Uh, anyway, you so if you're that? interested, check it out. Um, if you're in the uh, middle of N- Tennessee area, uh, you'll have to reach middle out. Middle of nowhere. Middle Tennessee. of nowhere, right. You won't be able to find it. Um, so you said you guys have cows or you want to have cows? Yes. Are you not a vegan? I'm not anymore. Oh, whoa. Okay. Was that a fad um, or what What was no, that? No, I actually did it um, for diet. Okay. Not diet. I shouldn't say diet, but for a lifestyle change because my body was going through a lot and mm. I wasn't processing foods. Mm-hmm. And then I found out I had a ton of food allergies. Oh. So it was kind of like a transition thing. And then I've slowly started working some foods back into it, like dairy, mm-hmm. like cheeses, um, a little bit of turkey and chicken. But I can't have any kind of red meat, even though I will have cows one day. Really? Yeah. Not even like good grass-fed beef. I can't do red meats at all. Maybe you should try it. I may. We're get. My husband wants Highland cattle. Oh, the long-haired ones. Yeah. <laughs> so I I don't know if I got a bad one, but we got some uh, Highland beef from a producer in Minnesota a couple of years ago. Supposedly grass-fed. It was hard to eat. It really was. Really? Yeah. Was it tough? It, it just had a weird flavor. Yeah, it was tough. It had a weird taste. Um, and they say that it it was either the, how it was finished or that breed of cow, that long-haired cow oh. is just different. And it might be. Um, I've heard yak is good, too, so who knows? <laughs> I don't know if I would try it. <laughs> yeah. Would or have? <laughs> I don't know if I would. <laughs> My uh, husband I, will try anything. Like, if he'll at least try it. Me, on the other hand, I'm so finicky and picky. I don't know if I would. <laughs> so uh, the beef initiative is something you should look into. Uh, it's on the Twitter. I think it's webbeefinitiative.com, I think. Um, but Texas Slim kind of founded it, I believe. And he's uh, working with him to get an interview also. Um, he is an advocate for not big ag. Oh, I hate big ag. And it's it's fascinating. The dude has <laughs> it's a like, compelling story. It's like the hospital industry. It's just become a big business instead of what it should be. Yeah. Yep. Feeding people. Right. Well, and like all the, again, I, I live in the middle of tens of thousands of acres of corn and soybeans. And yeah, same here. <clears throat> that's what they do. And what I realize is all of it gets trucked to the ethanol plant down the road. I'm sorry, they're not growing that for me to eat. No. Now, they, I, I think they, they claim, and I could be wrong, and I will gladly be wrong, just if someone wants to point me the right way. Uh, but I think they claim that some of the byproduct after the ethanol plant gets fed to cattle or pigs that then we might eat or drink their milk. <clears throat> I think you're right. And I don't. So, so in, Because <laughs> yeah. our uh, neighbor is a rancher. Mm-hmm. He has a big cattle farm, and he grows corn and soybeans for the same reason. Mm. He says that, or he said that some of it's used for 
food for livestock, but other parts of it is used for other things. So. Okay, so silage, more than likely. Well, it, is it like beef cattle or, or dairy? It's beef cattle. Okay, I guess I don't know what they feed. But for the we have a cheese factory in our town, and they bring in 5 million gallons of milk every day. Um, and they're, I think they're, in the next two or three years, going to be increasing that to 8 million. Um, every day, that's how much milk comes in. But the dairies that have to support that, what they, one of the big things they feed their cows is called silage and it's corn, but they hack it down because, you know, if you harvest corn, it actually pulls the stalk down through the heart the head, takes the, the stalk or the, the ear off and takes all the kernels out, blows everything else out and keeps just the, the kernels. Well, silage takes it all throws it to the ground, and then they bale that up, or they, they th- cut it into a, a truck. And then they put it in a big pile, and it has to ferment and start to rot before the cows can digest it. But then that's what they, that's what they use to feed. So they Sounds can't, disgusting. Yeah, they can't digest it before it's started to ferment in a pile. Uh, but that's huge. There's humongous. These dairies are massive, and there's huge, big piles of this tarp-covered corn plant that is festering. And, I mean, I have a bucket of sourdough starter that's festering every day at my house, but that's different. <laughs> yeah, I have that too. Ah, yum, yum. Yeah. Awesome. DanielLouise.com. Thank you for catching up again. It's been a long time. I know. Thank um, you for having me. If we're ever down in the, the Tennessee area, we'll have to connect. So Anytime. You're welcome awesome. out here. Thanks for listening. Don't forget Danielle Louise Photography, daniellelouise.com, and across the social medias. Thanks again for hanging out and doing a little reminiscing. It's always fun. Theinterviewpodcast.org is this website for this show. Remember, you can help support it by telling more people about it, or if you've got enough value that you think that has a dollar amount. Click on the Donate Today button and you get to help support the show. So thanks again for listening. We will see you all next time. Uh, It's December. For those listening currently, have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year.